in this fall, man, this is very tough. Um, in this fall, I'm going to take my talents to. This is the show that replays the should have beens, could have beens, and great what ifs in sports. This is Replay the Down. What if LeBron James took his talents elsewhere? How different would his career in the NBA look today? This is Replay the Down, and I'm your host, Tyler Wessel, here with my friends Jason Delarusso and Nathan Adams. What's up, everybody? What up? This is going to be a two-part episode. Part one will cover the different decisions LeBron could have made in 2010. Part two will ask how different things would look in 2014 and 2018 if he had simply stayed put with Miami and Cleveland, respectively. If you want to skip our opening segments and get straight to today's topic, just jump ahead to the 2120 mark and we'll see you there. Otherwise, guys, I feel that this weekend's events necessitate we must start with our newest segment. Official review. In this new segment, it's not the officials doing the reviewing, but it's us reviewing the officials. And guys, it was a rough weekend for NFL officiating in regards to roughing the passer. Sunday, we had the Falcons greedy. Jarrett called for a penalty, again, throwing Brady to the ground. And then last night on Monday Night Football, we had Chiefs Chris Jones call for a penalty on a strip sack when he was deemed to have put his entire weight on Derek Carr. Uh, later in the game, Denzel Perryman, Miami Hurricane, threw Mahomes to the ground, much more emphatically than Brady was, but was not called for a penalty. Troy Aikman is now under fire on Twitter for saying the NFL needs to, quote, take the dresses off. Oh, Troy. And a report came out, yeah, a report came out today the league is apparently mulling changes to the rule, saying they never gave a directive after the Tua injury. I call BS on that. So my question is, which call or lack thereof was most egregious, and how would you change the rule? Well, Looking at both of the plays, I watched Chris Jones one live, the Grady Jarrett one I watched, you know, on Twitter, probably like a lot of America as a, after it was called, I would say right off the bat, the Grady Jarrett one. I mean, it looked perfectly fine. He, he, he basically softly put Tom Brady on the ground. <laughs> Gently placed him on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be the most egregious one. The, the, the Chris Jones ones. I mean, I can understand. I mean, the, there's one call, you know, one side of it says, yes, it was a strip sack. So he had to make sure he wasn't going to get the ball back. Uh, the other side is, is yes, you can't put your full weight on the quarterback into the ground, all the way to the ground. So, I mean, I can see why that was called. Cause he did, put his full body weight on him all the way to the ground. The hazy part of it is as though the, the, the ball came out. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? Let him, you know, get up and, and, and be able to get the ball back. As far as what they can do, I mean, I don't know if there's really much you can do at this point unless you're going to do flag football or two-hand touch because, you know, this is a contact sport. And I think what they have now, you can't hit them above the head, no contact above the head for uh, any quarterback on a sack. And then you can't also hit below the knee. So basically, you only hit the middle part, and then you can't put your full body weight on them. I think there's no more you can do. At this point, it's either you put a flag on the quarterback, you got to rip it off for a sack, or just two-hand touch. I mean, this all necessity. I mean, by the letter of the law, I guess the Chris Jones one was technically the correct call. I just think it's a terrible rule. Like, I understand we want to protect the quarterbacks and the faces of the NFL and the superstars. I totally get it. But I, I think by making these calls, you're, you're kind of ruining the game. And it's going to hurt your ratings just as much as if one of these quarterbacks was out. Um, I mean, this all started with the Aaron Rodgers hit a couple years ago when Vikings Anthony Barr landed on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder and... That's where this all started. And to my to to a point, you got to be like, this is the game of football. And maybe Troy Aitman didn't say it the best way, but I got what he was saying. Like, there is an inherent risk to this and there is physicality to it. And we need to allow these guys to play because like Jason just said, you can't hit him in the head. You can't hit him below the knees like it's shrinking. You can't like what are you supposed to do to get these guys down, especially guy like Lamar Jackson or or uh, Jalen Hurts, like, w- what are you supposed to do to these guys? Now, Brady's well, not the most mobile, but but some of these guys, what do you do if you try to then. go... Stop rushing yeah. them and go defend the defenders. Let's just play seven receivers. on seven. I think Micah, I think Micah Parsons said, uh, like, let's just play seven on seven at this point. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, here, here's the thing, though. Defense wins championships. Offense sells tickets. That, that's the key. Defense wins championships. Offense and, sells tickets. And it's a business? What are you saying, Jason? I'm, I'm saying that people are going to tune in to watch the superstars on offense, the quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. yeah, defense is where it's at. It's where it's going to win championships. But you've got to protect your offensive superstars. Number one being the hottest, you know, the, the rarest commodity, which is the quarterback position. So, I mean, I get it because if a quarterback's out, your team's going to stink. Nobody's going to want, want to watch a, a team that's just going to limp over the line and can barely throw the ball. Not in modern NFL. So the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, Tyler. Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so I'm going to go completely opposite and say I could just – so so clearly a Bucks, Bucks fan here. I did see the play live uh, with Jared. Home alert. And I Home went, alert. I went – well, okay, we'll take that. Um, there was some laying on and flipping around of Brady, and the same thing with and Carr. kicking by Brady. And the um, same thing with Carr. I would say throw the flag then, just be consistent. Like, what's the rules? And then make sure you call the rule. Now, I, you know, whether or not it's a good rule or not, I think it's part of what we're talking about. But you have two examples where the rule was called or the, 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 the flag was called, the play was called, the penalty and then you have another example when Mahomes was thrown. Now, I think you could argue, I don't know that I'm willing to argue it, but you could argue when you read, review the Mahomes play that there was no body weight put on him. He was thrown to the ground, but, but he was not he was not. I don't know that there was any body weight put on right Brady, there. though, because Brady, Brady, he rolled Brady over him. And he so ends up on top of him, though. He ends up on top he of him. He looked like he was just tucking him into bed. He just needed a <laughs> pillow underneath him. He was going to be totally fine. I mean, it was a soft way. And... And I would say, contrary to what you said, Tyler, we are talking about it today. I think the NFL is going to be just fine having this controversial world because folks like us and our listeners are going to weigh in. They're going to be mad or they're going to be excited or us Buccaneer fans are going to say, "Woo!" right. Thank goodness that that (laughs) happened. Um, And now Brady's health. Anyway, it's totally okay to be a fan and be like, I'm going to take that call. But it was absolutely the wrong call. There was a game in the Vikings Saints London game last week where i was like i mean that was a terrible call but i'm glad it was called <laughs> like yeah I'm not, I'm, not mad. Like it was, I'm not mad yeah i'm not mad but it was a bad call i mean to me it's a lot kind of like the targeting rule in college like i hate the targeting rule i understand it i think it needs to have levels of like egregious and incidental because there's a lot of times where the offensive player lowers his head when the when the defender's going in you know to the torso and and then that's called targeting. And I don't I don't know that that's right. And a lot of times it's it. Yes, by the letter of the law, it's called correctly. But your common sense, the eyeball test says that's not targeting. There was no intent. It was totally incidental. It was an accident. And I think they're getting better at that. But um, I think that's the same thing here. Like by the letter of the law, I think the the Chris Jones ones was technically the right call. I don't like the rule. I just don't like the rule. The Brady one, I don't think was even a good call by the rule, personally. So, and I know Jason agrees with me, and Homer, Homer, uh, Nathan over here absolutely does not. But <laughs> okay, so you win some, you lose some. We got that one. In fairness, the only other thing I would say is like I know they can be demoralizing, and that absolutely plays a role in the sports. But they 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 still had to go down the field and score a touchdown to win the game. They didn't have that opportunity to do that. I get that. Um, in the end, I, th- I think it makes a, a difference also that it didn't end up burning the Chiefs and it, it did burn the Falcons. The Chiefs came back and won, which brings us to our next segment, our, our second new segment. Coaches challenge. In this segment, we are not challenging an official's call. We are challenging the coach's decision making. Nathan, I'm going to let you take this one. Josh McDaniels went for two last night instead of ty- the tying extra point with four and a half minutes left in the game. What are your thoughts on going for two for the win instead of going for the tie? I know for Nathan's the win be at 427 left in the game <laughs> for the win. There's an eternity. It's Patrick Mahomes getting the ball back. And Guy only needs 13 seconds, apparently. I was going to say, what? <laughs> I have no idea. No, I, I do not understand. I know analytics, and they might say to go for it, and it's advantageous to do that. And who am I to argue with math? <laughs> I don't want to argue with math and science, but I just don't under 
stand, I'm using Comic especially, Core these days. especially this. Well, <laughs> that's another different. <laughs> that's somebody else's podcast. I don't get it at all. I don't. Um, you know, we're I, I've read the takes and the play. The you know Derek Carr and uh, Devontae Adams and others have said like we love the aggressive nature of it and it's so great, but which is great and you believe in your offense but what are you saying about your defense like and the defense actually held them and they had to punt on that next drive and so the the raiders had to go down and kick that field goal to to win the game but it would have been so they wouldn't they could have gone to oh i don't i don't get it at all and again john harbaugh is notorious i think there are two different games last year we were watching the ravens just randomly watching them and they went to for two to win the game, and they lost both of them. And I'm like, this is football. Like, this isn't basketball or hockey or baseball where you get all these games. Man. Like, these wins, <laughs> well, that too, right? This is real life. Oh, this is real life. No, um, there's the, the wins and losses mean so much, and you're you're just throwing them around. I don't I don't understand it. I understand. The same thing happened absolutely in college. Earlier this year, I think it was the first week of the season with App State taking on UNC or your App State. You're, I get it. You're taking on a Power 5 team. You want to go for the win. Maybe your people are worn out. You want to tell your team you believe in it. But it's just too much at stake in football to be just throwing wins away. And I think, what are they, 1-4 and four now? Uh, the Raiders? Like, you're done. You're done. Yeah. So Nathan and would not stop texting me about the UNC App State one when that happened. Um, and we, we've had this conversation. So when this happened last night, I was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast today. Um, I mean, I, I think it makes sense in certain episodes, in certain situations. If you are a huge underdog left in the game. Yeah. yeah well, that, I'll get to that in a second. If you're a huge underdog and, and I think app state probably qualifies there. I mean, that was such a barn burn. Neither defense was stopping anyone. I think app state could have still won in, you know, overtime if they, if they had gone for the tie. But if you're a huge underdog and you know you're not going to be able to keep up or if you're just dealing with a lot of injuries and you have this one chance to end the game here and now and, and you just don't think your team's going to be able to stand up in overtime, I get it. With very little time left, go for two. I get it. Is that ever the with case four, in the NFL, though? With Maybe four college. and a half minutes left, with four and a half, here's my thing with, the, with what happened last night. You still had to stop Mahomes. So even Regardless, by taking the lead. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Whether you were tied or in the lead, if you didn't think your defense was going to stop him, what's it matter if you take the lead there or not? Yeah, like, if it's the difference between being up by three or, or three or five four. Five seconds left. Or even yeah. if you want to go up by four, right, and kicking the extra point gets you a tie and, you know, to go up by three and then they have to kick a field goal to tie. Like, I would maybe could wrap my mind around that. But they're still going, all they need is a field goal to win. A point does you nothing except guarantee that you have to go get another point. I think the Chiefs, and, and the Chiefs did last night what I've always wondered if coaches should do more often. They went up seven with the score, and instead of just taking the extra point going up eight, which still kept it a one-possession game, they went for two because they're like, we can put this game, make this game over right now sure. rather than keeping it a one-possession game. And I, I applaud that one because that's yes, a number Yes, thing. if you can make it multiple possessions or make it have to get a touchdown and not and – not, hurt yourself in the sense of um yeah. you know we need to get more points because of this which is what the raiders did <laughs> yeah then okay go for it but no i don't jason am i out of my mind or what do you think yes but for different reasons <laughs> <laughs> i agree with you nate i agree that you know that, that in that situation i think there was like what four minutes left on the clock twenty nine thirty. you you know you could tie the game with the you know kicking an extra point they went and played the numbers. I think it's 50% of two-point conversions end up being successful. So with that being said, you 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 say you do the two-point conversion. That makes it what? 31-30. I guess it gets you on the because I don't think they they you know the no, most homes in them. I think that's how it ended, right? Yeah, 30 yeah. to 29, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I think he was thinking, you know, there's probably not going to be an opportunity for me to win this game. Because, you know, chances are. Mahomes is going to, you know, if, if I don't score this, I could probably hold him off for four minutes and win it. But if, it, if I tie it and go into overtime. Based on what? I mean, they couldn't stop Mahomes, Mahomes in I'm, three quarters. <laughs> well, it was 30 points. They did stop yeah. him at some point. But I'm saying he felt that was the, the right decision. And he would have been, a, you know, he, he could. It was a chance at being great and a chance at winning the game, he thought. I don't agree with it personally. I don't see how you can think you're going to win a game 
It's 30 to 29, four minutes to go. Mahomes on the other sideline. I mean, personally, I think that's a dumb decision. I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm not a coach in the NFL, won't pretend to be, but the statistics saying if you're up 31 30 and you have Mahomes on the other sideline and they got four minutes, you're going to lose and timeouts. Or they're going to score. You're going to lose because all he needs is a three, a field goal. So, I mean, or the very least. But, but this is Nolan Vold, though. Even at, Say they 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 kicked the field goal and it was 30-30. I still think Mahomes would have come down and won the game anyway, so I don't really think it mattered what he did in that situation. Except they did really stop him, right? Opinion. Like, I mean, and maybe that's McDaniel's but argument it's today. It's a totally different but, it's a totally different playbook, though, if you're yeah. going for the win, exactly. if you're top. Sure. Exactly. You know, and you're trying to go for the win. There's totally different plays you're going to be you calling have a as a coach. Down. If you're down if Mahomes is down one at that point, he's they are going for it on fourth down. They have an extra play. Yeah, I mean exactly. They're trying the to run the scenario clock the changes. other way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to me, if I mean, it were, if it were, I don't think it matters. If if they scored with five seconds left, like that's a different animal. Like I still probably wouldn't do it, but I I can justify it more if he scored with five seconds left, saying, "Hey, we can't stop him overtime. Let's just try to end it now." But to do it with four and a half minutes left when they had so much time to still score, I was just like, this just doesn't make sense yeah, at all. No. Again, like I said, it just doesn't matter. He, they, I don't believe they were going to win that any, the, anyway. Just, just the way it's set up at the end of the game with the amount of time, the timeouts, the score. I don't believe they were going to win it, so it didn't matter. I mean, what he he chose. I mean, he he went for two. Great, he didn't get it. Okay, <laughs> Mahomes still won. The Chiefs are still rolling. The same four. outcome was still happening. <laughs> Stop going yeah. for two when you can tie or win it <laughs> or go ahead. Hey, man, 50%. I mean, man, 50% these analysts, success so, rate. So th- 50% it's so failure rate. Yes, I understand. You can look at half full, half empty, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> My kind of initial gut reaction was stop trying to be the smartest person in the room, right? And that's what it feels like it is. I'm going to outmaneuver. I'm going to outsmart. This is what everyone else would do. So I'm going to try to do this thing. And congratulations, you lost. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's do our next news segment. Replay the take. In this segment, we're going to revisit our hot takes from previous weeks and see if we want to scorch it. Try that again. First, Nathan. Let's cover your Major League Baseball playoff picks. I'm going with the Mets, which is also part of my fandom. I used to be a Mets fan. Um, They won over 100 games this year, looking strong, great starting pitching. Do not gamble based upon my picks. So, Nathan, do you want to try that again and and pick a new team for your playoffs at this point? (laughs) I'm not going to do that to our listeners. Nope. I, I, uh, I knew that the, the Rays weren't going to win. So at least I knew that not to pick them as the team I thought would win. But, um, and that was a heck of a game. If you all got to watch you, you that You like that 15-minute one nothing game? I don't know if I liked it, but it was intense as a fan. Like, oh my sure. gosh, somebody score. Like, we're... And also, uh, Tampa Bay, um, please get some hitting. Please, please spend some money on some hitting this offseason. So we had this kind of this kind of tone last week about just begging someone to do something. And and that brings us to Jason, your take. You had a very strong opinion about a certain NFL coach. Matt Rule needs to be fired. I mean, what are we doing in Carolina? There is no reason this man should even be coaching this season, but yet he is. <laughs> I think that was obviously the right decision. Should have been done last offseason, but as we saw in the press conference with David Tepper uh, yesterday, I think the ego is what got in the way of us having a great season this year. So at this point, it's a lost season. We'll have to look for the draft for our QB. I love uh, Wilkes, but he tried in Arizona, didn't succeed, and he's just an interim coach. I like him as a person, and I, I hope he's successful with us, but I don't see it happening. Uh, as long as Tepper is in charge, I'm kind of unsure. And when they asked him, what, what was getting over the hump? What is that to you? All he could specify is winning. Well, of course, David Tepper, we all want to see our teams win. What? <laughs> I mean, genius in the, at the top of the uh, organization there. And then when he was pressed on it at the very end for the reasons he decided to fa- fire Matt Rule, he got mad and refused to answer and told the reporter to, to read his own article. I mean, David Tepper, I mean, you didn't show much leadership in that press conference and didn't give Panther fans 
much hope for the future. So cheers to us. I, I got a name for you. I got a hot take here for you, Jason, because I thought for sure Dallas was going to get him. But Dallas is playing well with backup quarterback. That's a whole interesting conversation. And when that comes another... back, if Cooper Rush keeps playing. What about Sean Payton to the Panthers? You can say another <laughs> NFC South know, we, We've been hearing that. We've been hearing that. He was very coy about it when he was on a uh, TV program this week. I think he was on The Herd. And uh, he was kind of coy when talking about the Panthers' position. Uh, you know, I think he, he could do well. But again, it'll come back to what Rule struggled with and our organization struggled with since 2015. It's quarterback. You need a quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's coaching. I, it, yeah. I mean, because I mean, we've got a decent offense. You need a line. quarterback. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do. We got a good, good defense, decent defense, decent offensive line. I mean, our defense is what top top half of the league right now. Offensive line is top half of the league, at least top fifteen. Uh, we've got great wide receivers, but again, we don't have anyone to throw him the ball. Baker Mayfield is not it. We've got McCaffrey in the backfield, and we didn't have a coach, so at least we can you know write that one off and and get us a coach and check that off the box. Maybe in the offseason we can also get a quarterback. But then I think we're going to all find out that what we really need is a new owner. Yeah, well, that's not a good start considering he's not been there very long. I was going to say. No. Good luck with that. (laughs) In 2010, LeBron James made one of the most faithful league-altering decisions in the history of the NBA. The game's greatest star was in free agency for the first time and was heavily courted by multiple teams, including the Bulls, Knicks, Nets, Clippers, and obviously the Heat and Cavs. In the end, LeBron made the infamous statement, I will be taking my talents to South Beach. Miami rejoiced. As a Miami fan, I loved it. Cleveland burned jerseys. Nathan's feeling a little pain right here. Ouch. Uh, New York stayed fairly irrelevant for another decade. But our question today asks, what if LeBron took his talents elsewhere? How would the league have played out a little differently? While there are several teams in contention, for this episode, we're going to focus on three of the strongest contenders other than Miami uh, that could have landed LeBron's services. Chicago Bulls, New York Knicks, Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron ends up taking his talents to the Windy City and joins the Bulls. That offseason, Chicago was pretty much set up. I mean, for the future, they had Derrick Rose, who was promising, Joakim Noah, and cap space to get LeBron and possibly another star, maybe a mid-level talent. I don't know if they could have done all three. They didn't have a coach, so LeBron could have influenced that decision there if he had a chose. So Chicago seemed like, at that point, a really strong choice for him to go. He would have at least paired up originally with Derrick Rose and uh, Joakim Noah. And... Would you have gotten Wade? Would he have gotten Bosch? I don't think you could have gotten both. But then that also brings back the question, because I think he made a pack in the Olympics with Bosch and Wade to decide together where they were going to go in this free agency period. So how would that affect that whole you know, dynamic between those three? I mean, if it was me, I think LeBron would have at least chose Wade. I don't think there's no way you'd choose Bosch over Wade. You would at least get Wade in Chicago. You have Wade, LeBron, Derrick Rose, Joaquin Noah. I mean, and Tom Thibodeau. Uh, Taj Gibson, he's, yeah. He, yeah, I mean, and he's a great coach. I mean, he was a great coach. Coach of the year at least once, I do believe he, he won it. So, I mean, that's a, that's a team that could really be competing. I mean, you could see him winning a lot. I mean, in Miami, LeBron ended up winning two titles, right? So... The first year, he didn't win anything. I think the Mavericks won that first year. And uh, that was Dirk Nowitzki's year. So your Miami choked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't think that would have happened, though. If he was over here with, with that coach, n- give nothing to Spolstra, but Spolstra was nothing year, to... you think they would have gotten one? Yeah. I don't think Spolstra was anything to write home about the first year. In fact, I clearly remember Tyler complaining about Spolstra. Oh, I complain about Spolstra all the time. It's not just the first year. Nathan knows that. (laughs) He does indeed. All the time. (laughs) Okay. We'll get to Spolstra in a second. What is he doing? 
We'll, we'll get to Spolster in a second, because he is a fantastic but, coach. But here's, here's the thing, guys. I think he could have done great there. I think he could have won at least two championships, but I think he more likely, uh, 2011, 12, and 13, he would have definitely won. I think it could have been a three-peat those three years, even without Bosch. Because with the other two rows, does he, does he hurt his ACL? Does he hurt his knee? Because, yeah. you know, he's not taking on Philadelphia. And how much is he playing with LeBron? You know, so, I mean, is he even going to be injured? Yep. Is that going to happen? I mean, it really changes the dynamic up at that point. And, you know, Bosch does have output at Miami that's hard to replicate with Noah or Rose. But I still think Rose gives you another dimension with Wade and LeBron. I think Wade makes a lot of sense. It's his hometown, Chicago. Like he eventually did go there a, a couple of years after LeBron left Miami um, for for about a year and a half. But so I, I think Wade does make a lot of sense. Now I I'm curious. I know how they played it off. I that Wade and Bosch both agree, announced for Miami the day before the decision. So and they claimed it was independent of LeBron's decision. I don't know if I believe that, but no. if that is true, then you wouldn't have gotten away, but maybe you get Carlos Boozer, which they ended up signing as well. So then you have a lineup with Derrick Rose, LeBron, Boozer, Dunleavy, Taj Gibson, Joakim Noah, really good defensive team, like really good defensive team there. Um, I think if you did get Wade in that situation, now you've got kind of three dominant ball handlers, even more so than like Miami, you would have Rose, Wade, LeBron, all not really any of them known as shooters and all very dominant ball handlers. So that dynamic may have been a little more complicated. I think Bo- I, I think actually LeBron Bosch may have worked better there with a Joe Kim Noah. But um, yeah, I mean, that would have been a fantastic defensive team under Thibodeau. Would they still have the same coach? Though? Yeah, under Thibodeau, I think. Well, and that's curious because they just signed Thibodeau. So like did, did LeBron shy away from Chicago because he didn't want to go with an unknown coach? I mean. Sprolstra was a little bit established and he had Pat Riley at his back, which makes a big difference. But um, I, I don't know. But Thibodeau seemed to be a pretty good fit there. And the Derrick Rose injury a couple of years later seemed to kind of derail that whole franchise again. Um, so, yeah, from a basketball standpoint, that that could have been a very good, good defensive team. Offensively, I'm not sure how it would click, because like I said, like Wade and LeBron kind of had some issues figuring out initially how to balance each other out. So having adding Derek Rose into that situation as well could have made it even more complicated. Yeah, and I think this is this is probably a little foreshadowing of where I'm going to head later on. But I, it, LeBron dominated the East, as we know, right? Eight, eight mm-hmm. consecutive years of making it to the finals between the Cavs and the Heat. Um, and I think wherever, especially with that lineup in Chicago, like... Do we give titles for getting to the finals? Wow. I don't remember. We, I we, think we do for Le- LeBron, though, right? <laughs> not one, not two, not three, not four. <laughs> eight, eight. Look, we'll get we'll get to that. All I'm saying is, I think that your take is, I think you're, I believe in your take, Jason, is where I was headed, which is the idea of, you know, if you're if you're take, especially if you're taking another one of the Heatles and putting them on to the Bulls. Obviously, you're not having to go through the heat anymore, and you're not going through the conf- you're not going to that team. It doesn't exist, um, and the Cavs wouldn't have been doing what they're doing. So clearly, it's LeBron and the Bulls. And what's their path? What's their path is whoever was out west is be the same teams, right? The Spurs. I mean, the Thunder, Chicago the Mavs, was the, the yeah, yeah. Chicago was the and, one seed that first year that LeBron was in Miami. So Chicago had the chemistry. They, I think, they took Game One in convincing fashion against Miami in that Eastern Conference Finals before Miami stormed back and t- took it 4-1, but it was like um, they had talent. They had chemistry. Does yeah. LeBron enhance it, or does it create more problems just from a we-need-to-cater-around-LeBron type of situation? Nah, he, He's ball-dominant. Jason will say differently, but he he clearly enhances. Wherever, he's he's won everywhere he's been. He would have won in Chicago. Now, when we get talk about the Knicks here in a moment, I, I, I might have that. a different take on that. But okay. in Chicago with that team, with the success that they'd have, absolutely. But Jason, why don't you think he went to Chicago? I don't really believe he'd want to follow the GOAT. Jordan. I mean, who would? I mean, who would want to come see? Nothing you're going to do. Are you going to win six championships? Are you, I mean, especially looking back at the past. I mean, you six always, six. you know, color everything in the past greater than the present. Yeah. So you're never going to live up to that. 
he's all he'll he'll be compared to Michael Jordan more than he already is now. Mm. I mean, he's in the city playing in the building that actually Michael Jordan built, <laughs> and y- y- there's just no way you would want to go. You'd want to be your own man. I mean, I mean, if you have, and this is one thing I can give LeBron credit for. He's not stupid. <laughs> he didn't decide to go there. He didn't let his ego get in the way of making a smart decision because. Honestly, there's no upside besides for winning the, you know, maybe one or two more championships to going to Chicago because you're going to end up making yourself compared to Michael Jordan and what he did in his era. Pre- well, especially because he wore number 23. 23, I was going to say, yeah. Now, having said that, you think about that, you got that statue out front too. Like that's something he would have to see every day. Like, and, yeah, I mean, I, I can. And you think they're going to build LeBron right beside him? I mean, no. it would be entertaining, <laughs> but I mean, the, the problem was he was six for six. So the argument goes fault LeBron because he got there way more times than Jordan did and didn't win as much as Jordan, which is uh, we're not we playing that down, but it's such a faulty <laughs> argument. I'm sorry. Who is the the teams that did he have a bad boys piston team that no, he's he coming up against? He, he just won a championship the year <laughs> with the team that won the most regular season games ever in I mean, NBA this history. Is, That's I mean, the this team is probably a whole nother conversation we could have on. Yeah. That. I'm not saying that, Le- look, I don't think LeBron's GOAT, but I don't think he's a bad player. I think he is, you know, one of the greatest players to ever play the NBA game. And clearly, I mean, he, I still believe he'd won championships in Chicago. I just don't believe it would have been a very smart decision for him to choose Chicago. And I, I think he thought it through. Some athletes would let their ego take over in that situation and say, oh, I can, I can beat that. But he actually ended up making a way smarter decision by... Uh, not going to Chicago. I mean, I, one of those said athletes, I think would have been Kobe Bryant. There was a lot of chatter for a while that Kobe was going to get traded to the Bulls and the Bulls didn't want to gut their team for Kobe. Yep. And and I understand in football, not wanting to gut your team because it's such a team sport. But I think in basketball where you have one guy can dominate a game, I think the Bulls made a massive mistake. But I think I think Kobe had the cojones to... Not just go to the Bulls, but then to wear number twenty four, which is one higher than than Jordan. Um, and I think he would have relished that opportunity. I think LeBron. You talk about the pressure. You mentioned it. He's he's already compared to Jordan all the time. Like it would have just been tenfold. Like every loss, every Finals loss. Yeah. Jordan never lost a Finals. I mean, it just the pressure would have been so much more. So I can understand why he wouldn't have wanted to. I'm not saying he couldn't have done it. My question is, do you think? Say he was there four years and similar took two titles. Do you think he would have returned to Cleveland after four years in being in Chicago? Oh, definitely. He would have left. There's no way he would have stayed. And again, though, maybe because, again, his ego is letting him go there thinking he'd be great. Maybe he stays and tries to to best Jordan in championships. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, does he so stay? There's a, there's a possibility. Yeah. If he gets one that first year. It depends on Rose's health, too. If he got, if he got health, five, weight if is. he got four or five, he would, yep. have, he would have probably stayed then at that point. <laughs> LeBron takes his talents to the Big Apple, joins New York Knicks. Why, LeBron? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? So, Bill Simmons reported uh, a couple years ago that the Knicks were actually LeBron James' first choice in 2010. And the meeting that the Knicks had with all three of those guys, I think they met with all three, but particularly LeBron, was such a disaster that they were just basically like i'm out like i'm not dealing with this they came with no long-term vision they were just basically using a bunch of celebrities to in in a reel to try to lure them to the big apple they had no like vision on the court they would just be like we're new york we're new york we're the knicks be a nick and they had no like rhyme or reason for doing it and so which is really interesting and and Dwayne wade kind of kind of um confirm this he's he he said on the Woj podcast that they just weren't they didn't have a plan they weren't prepared they weren't ready for it they you know they weren't ready for for that type of moment uh um, how do you not prepare i i don't i don't know not not so much like they weren't prepared for the presentation maybe maybe that too but like they weren't prepared as a franchise like they were not prepared for the moment to take like they they were like 
they were starstruck almost type of thing. Like they just weren't ready to take on that type of responsibility. Like someone not ready to take on a baby. Like, <laughs> like they just weren't ready for it. Uh, and and then there was one report that James Dolan actually handed out his mixtape on on CD to to the players during the free agency process. I'm sure they listened to that. <laughs> I'm just like, Jay oh Dolan man, this is really good. Sign me up for the Knicks. This is great. <laughs> Anyway, all that being said, the Knicks were supposedly before kind of the the process started LeBron's choice. And and I get it. Like you talk about the pressure in Chicago. Yes, you have the media pressure. I think LeBron has the media pressure anyway. But there was like a very, very low bar for LeBron to to meet in New York. Uh, You talk about a media superstar. If he goes to New York now, Amari Stoudemire had committed to the Knicks a few days before. So you got Stoudemire, who's a pretty decent shooting big man. Um, you get LeBron. They had a bunch of good young pieces, which they ended up flipping for Carmelo. Um, yeah, that, I think that, se- that season. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, he was due to be a free agent in 2011. So maybe that still happens. And now maybe you have a big three of Carmelo, LeBron, and Amari Stoudemire. Now, Stoudemire's knees were a little shaky injury-wise, but that's a lot of talent in the Big Apple. Like the buzz... I mean, you, you think about like the Jeremy, the Lynn Sanity when Jeremy Lynn was a big name. Like, imagine if you had LeBron go to New York. Um, you had Mike D'Antoni as, as the head coach. He's known as a big offensive guy with lots of movement. And um, it, it could have been fun and exciting, but there's still the Knicks. Like, like <laughs> yes, I think to Nathan's point, wherever LeBron went in the East, the East was so down at that point. It's so much better today than it was then. I think I think he still does probably win one or two championships. I don't think Dwayne Wade goes to New York with him. Probably maybe Wade goes to Chicago then, or maybe Wayne Bosch truly did just say we're going to go in Miami together. And so you still have Wayne Bosch in Miami. You have a much more balanced conference, I think, at that point because you got Wayne Bosch in Miami, you have Chicago, uh, and then you got the Knicks kind of up there and and Boston. And the Magic had KG. been good. The Celtics, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just and you don't think you don't think they would have come with him, Bosh and, and Wade. At least the one Knicks, of them. so the Knicks didn't have space for all three the way it was. They would have had to like completely yeah. sell off and I think like Carmelo being a Syracuse guy would have been more the cuz he was one of those Olympic guys too when you talk about the Olympics pack. Yeah. So, I think the odds were higher they probably would have traded for Carmelo uh, or waited till the next season to try to sign him. But I, I do think I do think that he probably could have won some titles. I do think it would have been short lived because I think it would have been such a media circus, and he would have been like, "I want to head back to small town, not small town. I mean, Cleveland's not a small town, but in ref- in comparison to New York, <laughs> New small York, town, sure. <laughs> small market." Um, I think he he definitely would have probably made the same move back to, uh, back to Cleveland. I'm not sure he gets two rings. Maybe he gets two rings. I don't know that he makes if he makes four finals in New York just because it's a different animal and it's such a what word do I want to use here? The organization is not well run. Um, you look at Miami and how cult like heat culture, you know, you hear it all the time. Heat culture. How cult like that was, uh, it is and and whatnot. So You don't think he would have stayed in New York? I feel like New York would have been Better. I mean, we haven't really talked about how the move to Miami was perceived, um, and I think it was perce- perceived so. I think on a national level, certainly in Cleveland, of course, but I think anywhere he would have gone, it would have been perceived pretty poorly in Ohio and in, in Cavs Nation. Um, but I think there could, <laughs> there would have been, I think, more understanding in theory of him going to New York, especially if he starts winning championships, to where. The orchestration of what it felt like happened in Miami he, and kind of yeah. the idea that Miami had already won, you know, recently. Wade um, had already won. He was joining. The, yeah, joining Wade, Wade. like you're joining yeah. somebody who's already won. It's Wade's team, Miami, Wade County, so forth and so on. Like, I think he could, if they would have been that successful in New York, I, I could see him staying. You know, if they figured out how to win one or two, like, let's stay and do this in New York. Who can we attract? to New York free agent wise as the years go on. That's been one of the, you know, things that people say about Cleveland, right? Nobody wants to go play in Cleveland and he he had trouble trying to get folks to go there. There's been rumors. I don't know if that's true or not, but that, you know, he had, he was willing to stay, um, but nobody wanted to come and join him and he knew he needed help. And we'll talk about that here in a moment, but I I wonder if he would have stayed in New York had they been successful. Here, here's, here's the word I'm going to use. 
impatience. I look at LeBron and he does not seem to be the most patient guy as far as I'm going to wait and let it work itself out. Like he was in Cleveland for seven years and they went to Miami seven for four years. years. But then he went to Miami for four years. But then when it looked like Wade's health was maybe on the decline, they kind of got whipped by, not kind of, they got whipped by San Antonio in that 2014 finals. And then he saw two young stars, you know, he, at the time, Andrew Wiggins had turned into Kevin Love. But like you get Kyrie and he's like, oh, there. And then after that kind of spoiled with Kyrie, he's like, I'm going to go with a- to the Lakers. And, and I think he knew the whole time he's going to recruit Anthony Davis there. Um, and I, I just don't see him being patient enough to see a James Dolan owned franchise as as much of a cluster as they've been over the last 20, 20 Are you saying years? that he wants an easier road to the finals? Is that what you're trying to say? I think that's Shame on him for wanting the easier road. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my gosh. That awful person. I think, I mean, seven years is a long time. You mean he's not one to really take a franchise, put him on their back and carry him to six championships? I w- he's not one. Here's what I'll say. I'll say, Nathan, seven years is a long time. And I think he would was most patient with Cleveland to start as a young player. Like, he had to be. He, he wanted to bring his hometown a title. And then he realized he wasn't going to be able to do it. And he did eventually go back and do it. But he kind of had to learn to win in Miami first. Um, I don't think he learns necessarily that he, I mean, he has admitted how much he learned in Miami. I don't. He's not going to get that with the Knicks. Um, so that's why I'm not sure he, he un, under Mike D'Antoni, you're going to have sure. a lot of offense, but you're not going to have those defensive performances um, that Miami had. And I think he would have gotten frustrated, uh, similar to the way Chris Paul got frustrated with, with the D'Antoni system and catering to to James Harden later, but. Um, I, I don't know that that's a long-term solution. I think it's something to elevate his brand to make that mark of I'm the guy who led the Knicks, but I don't know that that's a lot. I think he still would have won. I think he always kind of wanted to go back to Cleveland. Yeah. Home to, is home. To, right? win that, I mean, to get that ring for the yeah. hometown team. I Especially in that market. Win. Yeah. I think New York, I think New York would have been a great option for him. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, it'd been huge. Absolutely. I mean, Miami already was. And if you're in that big, in that big of a market, I mean, Miami's big, but New York is bigger. Whole, yeah, it's a whole different animal. <laughs> no, no, it's a whole nother, another monster. And so, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, it would have been huge. Uh, as far as him, he probably looked at that situation though. And it gave him Cleveland vibes, the organization and where they were. Well, that's at what I was going to say. Time. He went back to and Cleveland team construction with, with Gilbert, who was yeah. not at that time known <laughs> who, for who being put a curse the greatest on order. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they put a curse on him. <laughs> so, I mean, if he went to New York, yeah, he'd probably been commercially successful without a doubt, just like he was there. And they would revere him because they hadn't had any taste of success in a while. So they were hungry for it. The the city was so he'd have been revered there, and I I do believe he could have pulled him probably in four years to at least one championship. Yeah. I'd be hard pressed to believe that he wouldn't. I mean, at least one championship, and you're going to get people that want to play in New York. Yeah. It's not a Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, people are going to want to go to New York. So well, you yeah. say That's that, but then I look think- at kind of what's what's happened with Kevin Durant a couple times. You know, both when he left Oklahoma City and when they he left the Warriors, like. He and Kyrie didn't even give New York, I don't think, a chance. They were like, we're going yeah, to Brooklyn. But let's, still New York. I mean, I don't know that we should be basing <laughs> things the upon. Look at people we're talking yeah, about here. <laughs> let's not base things about what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are doing. Um, I mean, Kyrie Irving's probably afraid he's going to fall off the, the oh, earth, really? you know? Okay. <laughs> so, Flat earther, right? All right, we got, we got, we got one, more, one more stance here. <laughs> What if LeBron doesn't take his talent south and he doesn't take them anywhere, but he stays in Cleveland and he re-ups and tries to make it happen in Cleveland? What happens next? Well, just as we've said with the Knicks, as we said with the Bulls, what we saw with the Heat, I think that LeBron would have eventually had won a championship with the Cavs. He ends up doing that, obviously, in 2016, but I think it would have come a little bit earlier. Now, unlike, I think, and maybe this is going to surprise you guys, Unlike maybe winning multiple championships with the Bulls or in New York with that stacked team, I'm not convinced that he would have won multiple championships with the Cavs. And when we go and talk about his second move, I actually think in 2016, had he stay, he had a better chance then to win multiple championships with the Cavs. 
but I do think he would have gotten one. And and as I was going back and reliving, so I should probably tell our listeners, I am a diehard Cavaliers fan of all the fandoms that I am. It is my Cavs that are my most beloved and that I'm passionate about uh, my earliest uh, attending sports and following sports were the Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance Cavaliers of the early 90s when I was a young child going to Richfield Coliseum. So I am absolutely a homer. Um, homer and I admit that. Homer, homer, homer. Um, but having said that, do y'all remember how good the Cavs were? Now, regular season, right? And I'm the guy that always talks about the playoffs and winning championships. The, the Cavs won 61 games the last year, the first time that LeBron was there. And I think the, the year before that, uh, they had won at like 64 and they had finished as the top seed in the East both of those two years. And that's with... Mo Williams was probably arguably the second best player <laughs> on that team. He was an all-star the year before LeBron left. He he was playing with former all-stars and Anton Jamison, Shaq. Do you remember Shaq was on that team? Um, obviously a Hall of Famer. Hey, very, um, very down, Shaq. Well, well <laughs> anyway. Um uh, Zajunas Ogalskis, who was still playing well, who I think actually ended up taking his talents to the South Beach eventually as well. Yes, he did. Um, Ruby Gibson, JJ Hickson, and others. And so, you know, I think oftentimes when we think about that Cavs team, we think about that 07 finals team. And I've always wanted to defend that team because there's so many times they pop up on the worst finals team ever, or the second worst, or third worst. We got swept. And I went back they? and looked. I went back and looked, and I went, oh, yeah, that was. That was probably a pretty rough team. LeBron did some <laughs> some Herculean work yeah. with the 07 yeah. team. But the team in 10, 09 and 10 were, were different teams. Some of those same players were around. And so I wonder, had he stayed there, could they, same idea, right? Could they have, could they have gotten one more all-star, somebody that we've you know, mentioned before, who was there in free agency? We've mentioned Dirk before. I don't know if he's leaving the Mavs, but a Rudy Gay, a Joe Johnson, uh, somebody that uh, could play alongside them and could they have built something there in Cleveland and eventually gotten to one? And I think the same argument that we've made with the other teams is really my argument. If LeBron's not in Miami, the Heat are not the Heat, obviously. And so who can we pair with in Cleveland? Who can we get to go to Cleveland to play with LeBron? And I think they would have gotten one. Miami's probably a solid, if they have Wade Bosch, and then maybe they go after Boozer or, or another, you know, third third guy uh they're a solid contender they're a solid playoff team i don't know that they're an nba title no. contender i think they're maybe an eastern conference contender yeah and we've mentioned you know we've mentioned some of these names before but folks that were traded later that season so the first season that lebron was in miami right we already mentioned carmelo right so what it would have taken for the Cavs to make a put a package together to get carmelo uh, late, also, chair, you know, traded that year is Jared Wallace. Maybe that's a positional, not fit, but super talented. Kendrick Perkins later got traded. Mike Bibby, we mentioned Shane Battier already. Who could have the Cavs? All the guys Miami got. For? That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> so, and we've seen the results of what happened yeah. with those players playing with LeBron. So, uh, I think we're going to be LeBron going to be the GM? Is LeBron going to be the GM? LeBron's been a GM. Well, <laughs> LeBron's been the GM. David Griffin was the GM, I think, at that for that sake or for that team. So, I I remember like when the buzz started probably a year before, you know, in summer of 09 that Riley was trying to clear all this cap space to make a run at all th- not two, but three, which was kind of unheard of at that time. And I remember there were rumors that Michael Red, like the Cavs were going after Michael Red, like Good shooter, guy, really good right? deep, Ohio deep State, Ohio, guy, yeah. Ohio guy, yeah. really good on the Bucks, and I was like, please don't get him because I don't want LeBron to be happy, so he'll come to my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, I mean, the Cavs had a hard time recruiting people. I mean, you know, no offense, Nate, but it is Cleveland. A lot of people migrate Cleveland from Cleveland. Rocks. Cleveland rocks. <laughs> as I and so as we record, he in always had a hard South Florida, time. But yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> I know another Ohio hard, that went south. Hard time yes. to get people. And, and and to you know, in the goat discussion, to in fairness, Jordan was in Chicago. Although Chicago is not what we know it uh, of it today, it was still a big city. Um, Cleveland still doesn't even compare to Chicago then. Yeah. So, I mean, he did have a tougher road in Cleveland, as much stick as I give LeBron. Um, 
And I honestly believe that it would have been extremely tough staying there and gutting it out to get people to come and to win. Because in the NBA, again, I give LeBron a lot of stick, but it is really the superstar era now. And I think some of that's due to LeBron and getting people. But even before that, there was there was other teams that yeah. were assembling Boston, before that. Absolutely. So you needed another... Yeah. Yeah, another two to uh, two or three stars on a team in in that era. So I don't think he had a choice. If you had stayed at Cleveland, he was never going to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Because they're just not going to get the players there. Do you think that he gets any? Do you think he gets one in Cleveland? Just about sheer talent. I think he eventually gets one, yeah. but it, he gets one. But you know, he it, it would be extremely tough for him. I mean, he got close, like you yeah. said. I I think yeah. I think. You're not going to, like you said, you're, you may not attract the free agents as much. I mean, like LeBron made it attractive, though. Like Kevin Love in 14 wanted to go to Cleveland once LeBron went back. Um, you know, you had Kyrie there. He had two uh, championships and four final, more, four more final yeah. appearances. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so you, you think you, you would probably have to make a lot of trades. You mentioned Carmelo. Can you go after Carmelo and put those two? Yep. Could he attract Wade to Cleveland? I know there was some, some chatter about him trying to get Bosch or, or Wade to come to Cleveland, and neither was really interested. Though, ironically, Wade went later on um, to Cleveland. Yes, <laughs> to Cleveland after you yeah. know when on his down years. But like Jason said, it it is kind of tough going on the smaller markets, and it's and it's cool to see guys like Giannis re-signing, re-upping with Milwaukee, even though Absolutely. I really wanted him in Miami. Like it's good to have these teams. You know, we talked about it uh, our last episode with like these quarterbacks like Peyton elevated Indianapolis Mahomes has elevated Kansas city. Like you have, I mean, you had the good Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson teams in Milwaukee, but Giannis really elevated that squad yeah. to what it is now. And so like LeBron is Cleveland is, and I think he, he could may- have attracted some more people, but I don't think he could have had a three peat there. I just think it, the the ability to keep guys there would have been a lot more difficult. And I think we under we've undersold. I mean, the the Cavs are not had not historically been a good franchise, right, guys? Like the Cavs last <laughs> were in the playoffs. I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight, and the last time that the Cavs won a playoff series was ninety two, ninety three. Mm. Like thirty yeah. years Before without LeBron. LeBron for both of those yeah. stats. Yeah, 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 right. Um, and so like I. It's you know, LeBron haters unite, but like what he did, what he was able to do in Cleveland, especially that first time, and then getting the championship even in 16, like nobody else has been able to come close to that. To do that. Now, I'm I'm yeah. optimistic about this year's team. I don't know that we're a championship team, I've, yeah, but I think we're gonna make the playoffs and we might be we might be good enough to win a series even. But I and so part of me thinks like, I think, LeBron. I, I think if 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 he stays, he gets at least one. When mm-hmm. how's that look exactly? I'm not sure, but and are you happy um, with that as a Cavs fan? I'm happy with it now as a Cavs fan that we only got one with him. Absolutely, I would say going to Miami, he got the most championships he was going to get, probably yeah. or at least equal yeah. to. That is our show for today. Thanks for joining us. You can follow us at Replay the Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Remember, this is just part one of two of this series. We want to hear from you. What if? LeBron took his talents elsewhere in 2010. That's our show. I'm Tyler. I'm Nathan. And I'm slightly optimistic now that we fired Matt Rule. <laughs> and join us next week for part two of our LeBron free agency episode as we replay the down. <laughs>